0: Hello and welcome to episode 100 of Life on Earth podcast. Woohoo! Can you believe it? I'm so excited for today's episode. I am Natalie Cry, your host. It's been amazing how time flies. Seems like yesterday when we recorded our first episode of Life on Earth in Durango, Colorado. Yes. And since then, I have had the privilege to talk to so many wonderful guests. And I've learned so much from each conversation. It's a thrill for me that I get to share them all with you through the podcast. To celebrate 100 episodes, I am beyond honored to have on the show our next guest, the one and only Robert Sturman. Before we continue with today's program, let me remind you of two books for you to consider with the new year. Book one, The Light Code Planner. This is timeless and perfect for you to get on the right track. The planner includes many inspirational quotes from some of my favorite people. Reminders to stay hydrated, of course. Incentives for morning rituals, my favorites, mindful practices, exercise, fun activities, creating lists, setting goals, and so much more. Also, if you haven't already, grab a copy of Book 2 Recommendation, my book, Living Life in Light. Flip the pages and see where you land. For a day's message. I will include links below on show notes. This show is brought to you by Shanti Yoga Training School, offering both 200 and 300 hour yoga teacher training programs as a special gift for you, Life on Earth listeners. You may go to lifeonearthpodcast.com and enter the code Life on Earth podcast altogether lowercase at checkout to receive 10% off our online programs. Back to the show. Meet Robert Sturman. A dedicated yoga practitioner, photographer Robert Sturman has increasingly focused on capturing the timeless grace and embodied mindfulness of asana in his work. Sturman's honors include official artist of the 47th Annual Grammy Award, 2010 FIFA World Cup artist representing America, and official artist of the 2008 United States Olympics. Sturman has been the subject of two separate New York Times articles celebrating his photographs of yoga around the world. He is an iconic photographer, and if you are a yogi, and if you must or you most likely have seen Robert's photos, they are incredible, they are so artistic, they are so beautiful. You have either seen them or you must see them. By now you are most likely familiar with his work. He has been on the cover of many magazines and he has worked with countless yogis around the globe. Robert celebrates diversity. And for our 100th episode, he couldn't be more fitting. And he is the one that I am so excited to welcome into the show. So find Robert's website and IG account links on show notes, click below. The episode, this episode, is dedicated to Chai. Chai, Robert's beloved dog, an outstanding PETA ambassador. Find out more about Chai's story during this conversation. Without further ado, please enjoy Robert Sturman. Welcome to Life on Earth, The Peace Project, a podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature and ultimately love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa, to celebrate and encourage diversity, peace and global equality, one earthling at a time. Welcome to Life on Earth podcast. I'm so excited to have Robert Sturman here today with me. Hello, Robert. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Hey, Natalie. It's nice to be here with you.
0: Oh, it's such an honor to have you on the podcast. And I'm a big fan of your work. I'm a big fan of not just your work, but just seeing the different things that you've collaborated with. And the art, and being a part of it, you know, in some way, and also having gone, I remember like an exhibition that I went that I thought it was so beautiful. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, my mom came to that one. This was a long time ago. Do you remember where that was?
1: What I would think it would have to have been um, over 10 years ago, possibly. And yeah, it was It was either at Exhale Sacred Movement Uh or at Lululemon Beverly Hills.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. So one of those. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so I've got a lot of uh, different questions and just really so excited. Thank you for for being on Life on Earth podcast and and sharing your beautiful energy with our community today.
1: Of course. (laughs) Of course it's you know seriously it really is an honor to be here because I remember the first time that I met you you were one of the you were one of the original yoga people that I photographed and it was on the beach and it was when I did the polaroid process but I just mm-hmm. remember everything about that shoot I remember your energy and it was there was just something so special about it so to be here with you a decade later while we have so much life that's happened and to reconnect is very sacred to me. So thank you for thinking of me for your 100th episode.
0: Oh, my God, 100th episode. Oh, thank you for that. That was so lovely what you just said. But yeah, hundred episode, I can't even believe it. I had this idea and this dream of having this podcast and this vision. And then, you know, to see just the trajectory and how many wonderful people I, had, I got to connect with and I see this as very, like, inspirational, this medium, and also educational. And, you know, it's just really great. Like, for example, having you, it, inspiration sometimes, I feel, can really, as, as the word says, right, really inspire us human beings to become a better version of ourselves, And I feel that when you are listening to someone on podcasts or you're, you know, watching someone, whether it's live or media, if there's something that sparkles in you, like you're inspired, it's because it already exists within each and every one of us. It's just simply a reminder that somebody else is there to expand us, you know, and to sit and to show us infinite amounts of possibilities. And I think the reason I'm saying this with you in particular is because you have, every time I look at the photos that you create or the different art that you've created, it brings me into this world of like infinite possibilities, you know, and, and I think that a lot of people probably relate to that with you, (laughs) you know, you are that person for so many, and you have this capacity with your. With your lenses and your, which I want to get into all that. I have even like those technical questions, like, oh my God, what kind of equipment does he use? You know? And I'm sure you've gone through many different ones, but just to see like how you see the world and you can bring people on different journeys, it's really cool. So, how did this all start? Why don't we? Well, actually, before we do that, in case. Because I always like when people are tuning in with a new guest in case they haven't seen them or haven't, which I know our community, most people know you, but in case what is, it's really nice to get a visual with the Instagram. Do you mind sharing your Instagram handle?
1: Sure. It's Robert Sturman, just S T U R yeah. S T U R M A N Robert Sturman.
0: And I will include it below and show notes as well. So that way, if people can want to just right now look at the photos while we're talking, which I highly recommend, then you'll get the full thing. Robert, if somebody came to you, this is a question I like to ask sometimes, especially someone like you, which I feel have so many different layers. What like, give me a, a short bio. Who are you? What do you do? Do you even define yourself? You are a photographer. You're a yogi. How do you, who are you? Like if you... You know, had to give us a, a bio <laughs> right now, our short blurb.
1: You got it. And let me see if I can find a way to make it fresh for myself as well. <clears throat> I would say that uh, I'm just a guy. And at a very early age, I realized that I felt a lot. And somehow art was something that I, I became acquainted with and it became my language to do my best to make sense of the world world and whether it's photography sculpture painting i would i would never define myself as a photographer because i'm just using the camera to as a tool to get my message across and to to give my heart my life so and you know it, it during the process of being an artist i decided that I wanted to rewrite the story of what it meant to be an artist because so many of the great artists that came before me did not have the tools to deal with how much they felt. A lot of them lived lives of self-destruction and I grew up in Los Angeles and so yoga was kind of something that was always around and I realized that I had the opportunity to rewrite that story of what it meant to be an artist. And I thought that having the tools that yoga seemed to offer and meditation seemed to offer would help me on my way. It was just a, a working artist that stopped in to have a better, make a, a better life for myself from the inside out. Like most people who who practice yoga, um, that's, that's why they they begin, I would think. And somehow during that process, I looked around and I saw that it was this incredible story about humanity, uh, about humanity in pursuit of being better at being human. So I realized that it tied into the history of art of this excellence that human beings were in pursuit of Accomplishment. I mean, in in a in such with such a sincere kind of language that I could use of backbends, heart openers, um, reaching towards the sky, going inside, and I just saw this as as quoting the Renaissance and and some of the great masters of the past. Like I saw that I could tell this story of. Humanity of what was happening right here, right now, not some fantasy of a better world, but what is working right here on this planet right now. So that drove me to this um, massive endeavor endeavor of photographing all of humanity using this absolutely exquisite language, Um, like yoga is the alphabet that I use to tell this amazing story.
0: Yeah. And wow, that's beautiful. And when did this this start?
1: It started in I think it was about 2005 or so that I started to I was a successful artist. My career was was blossoming. Using the Polaroid and and did some work with the Grammys and the Olympics and and my career was really Oh, wow. Going, I career, didn't even
0: realize that that you had done Olympics and
1: Yeah. Okay. So my career was really, it was, everything was working, but I then it, it, it started, the yoga stuff started in about 2006, I would think. And I just started practicing. That's all I did. But then I started volunteering for a magazine called Yogi Times. you remember that magazine?
0: I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I just, mm-hmm. so once a month I was assigned to a different practitioner teacher to do the teacher profile portrait and my you know I was ideologically conditioned to believe that where we put our attention is what we are going to become and I wanted to become one of those yoga people so I volunteered Mm -hmm. to photograph one of these teachers once a month and that's how I immersed myself in this subculture that would eventually change my life and and give me a a way to celebrate humanity and in, in a in a very unique way and moving way,
0: yeah, it's very unique. And I love how you said that through the yoga, you could see that there was this quest of each human being trying to become and you know a, a better version or just a self-discovery or better version of themselves and then trying to change the world in reflection of that yoga, like from the mat into the world. It's really cool that you had that insight. And because I also see that in your work because through even this past, you know, decade or over, you have gone, you've done even within the yoga, different niches, like, for example, fire people, you know, firemen or police or hospital workers, or, you know, the different things that you go into. And it's so it's like, in a way, you've got that, and the heart opening and the yoga and the contribution to the world and the other gifts that they have. So it's really kind of encompasses so many different aspects, you know, and that's what I've been observing in your work is that there's been this sort of, it is a consistent sort of journey and exploration.
1: Would you say so? Yes. Very consistent. Yeah. I mean, I just see that it's human beings trying to, Have a better life experience. And from police officers to firefighters, the military, people serving life sentences, breast cancer survivors, uh, the elderly, people that Mm -hmm. have just all kinds of trauma, uh, orphanages in Africa, Mm -hmm. just all of humanity is, you know, really wanting to have the best existence as, as we possibly can. And and people are discovering that this is a wonderful tool to support that.
0: Yeah. And let's go back to when you were saying the LA Times you were photographing some of these teachers you started practicing yoga LA so yoga. You thought LA yoga. Yeah. LA yoga. Sorry. <laughs> LA and then Times yeah that's not that. That's evolved. a different. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, and then you were photographing the teachers and you thought I want to you know, there's, I want to become like one of the, so what is that thing that you saw in some of these yogis? Cause I think this happens to a lot of us and that'll be really interesting to see if you can put that into words. Cause when you said that, I was like, Oh, I think that happened to me too. In the beginning, like, what do you, it was like a light. Cause you're like, Oh, I want to embody that. Like what, what did you see? Like that they had this, some kind of like an inner peace or what was it?
1: Well, I mean, I, I regret to break it to you, but <laughs> a lot of it was <laughs> an illusion that I mm-hmm. had that these yoga people were very evolved human beings. <laughs> and then I think as you mm-hmm. become more deeply immersed and experienced in the subculture, that's true for some. And it, as everything. Like in, as everything. What I saw was just, at the time, was just people that could lead the way and open the door for me and you who happened to be a, an extremely authentic and sincere yoga mm-hmm. practitioner were one of those human beings who I did see as a very as somebody who did their work and found a way to sit in the fire of existence and 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 be okay with it You know, it's like, those are the ones that I was really that I really gravitated towards are. Thank you. Yes. The ones that I, you just knew that they did their work and found a way to be, to not run away from the discomfort of what it, what it means to be alive. And uh, I'll never forget that when you invited me to the Ashtanga class, because I had predominantly just practiced. Uh, vinyasa flow and yin and restorative i mean that was pretty much it and i knew all my teachers did this thing where there was no music and and everybody did their own thing and the teacher walked around in a circle and you and everyone tried to get me to to do ashtanga forever and you were the first person that actually i did go and do that um do a class with um that was great thank you i just remember like you're like i'm like wait you want me to do the same thing for an hour
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it was like moving and breathing with silence like no music you know just very that's the one part of ashtanga because i've explored different practices too even though like you i think m- many of us now practice a sort of combo between you know, more modern Ashtanga, like with Iyengar, sometimes music, sometimes no music, but just that rawness of Ashtanga that can be so peaceful in in a way, if you're really taking it as, you know, like a therapeutic practice almost, because you don't, you could just move and breathe and be on your mat and be in your body without letting the ego get in the way of like, oh, I got to put my leg behind my head or whatever it is, you know, if, then that can become a very kind of like state of I don't know inner peace thank you for coming to the class by the way yeah you're great no I was just gonna say you're just the best kind of student too because you you're so authentic too in your own practice and it shows with everything Mm
1: -hmm. that's but you know what's funny though is is that when I used to uh Photograph some of these like more evolved or people that had more life under them, their belt. They just really wanted to do gentle, stagnant poses. Like that reminded me when you said that about the the (laughs) leg behind their head. There's just no way they wanted to be photographed that way. And when we're young or before we have the, uh, we evolve as humans, I think that that's something that we miss. Now I would just, I, I long for the silence and the communication yeah. that I have with myself in a practice without somebody screaming things out at me the whole time. So we Yeah. Grow.
0: And so how, what, what, is, yeah, we grow. I love that you said that, especially like those of us who have been on this yoga practice for so long, it, it, it becomes, it starts changing, you know, it cha- every, I don't know, however many years it just, it switches and it, changes and something in it. Like part of one of the, the things that I love is what I showed you before we started recording today my I showed you my tea little tea setup up here and I had a cattle and I'm actually drinking a bowl of tea. And oftentimes I sit with three bowls of tea in silence in the mornings when I wake up and that really helps me find my center ground is part of my practice my you know my sadhana basically it's that is a big part of it just as it is asana and so I'm wondering I have a question for you what is what do you do when you want to center and quiet your mind yeah what is what are like some practices for you for that?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, it's definitely not. It's definitely not doing a class where a teacher is screaming things at me anymore. It's definitely not that. <laughs> so I can really relate to you when you say that you sit there with your three pots of tea because that silence is, is something that I cherish so deeply now. And I experience it. I will do certain practices in order to achieve that silence now, but I, I can access it usually without um, tremendous physical effort at this point in my life. But I'll do, like as far as yoga is concerned, I've been doing like plank, long holds of plank and breath work and where I just can just sit. Like for instance, with plank, I'll do like, I'll start with a two minute, three minute and maybe four minutes, but I'll do it in a way where I go so deep inside that I go beyond what my mind is trying to tell me I can do, and that like that's the ultimate ticket for silence inside. Is when I do something like that. In addition, I do an ice practice now, which uh, might sound crazy to wow. say, but I sit in, I guess it's pretty much 28 degree ice water. Um, I have an ice tank in my backyard, and I'll sit wow. in that for three to seven minutes to access that primal inner silence and the timeless silence. So
0: I love that.
1: Yeah. Those are a couple of things that I do.
0: Yeah. But mainly and, I think uh, ultim-
1: ultimately it's just being able to just sit there, you know, and just breathe. I think, I do think you have a
0: meditation practice?
1: I do. I do. Mm-hmm. I sit okay. quietly in the mornings uh, usually after a little bit of breath work, and just sit and breathe. And that's it. Just sit and do nothing. Just breathe.
0: That's precisely the one that I do as well, is yeah. just uh, sit and breathe. It's right. just the most the most simple, you know?
1: Yeah. And, and you <laughs> it's know, not,
0: I, like, complicated.
1: <laughs> and if I start thinking about breakfast or solving problems and thinking about stuff, I don't care at all. I just... I use that time to just say, okay, well now I'm really working things out, like it's no exactly big deal to to wander It's no
0: big deal. I love that. I love that because I mean that says a lot. You know, it's it's just the uh, being in the flow of life and uh, being in the moment and understanding that sometimes it's going to be a certain way, sometimes going to be another way, and if we can just not attach to you know, having it be a certain way with the expectations and stuff, then we can, again, sit with it, you know, like you, you say so much. But, yeah. okay, so your ice practice in your backyard, is that... So I know so a little about the ice stuff from the Winhoff method. Is yeah, that kind I, of what you yeah. do?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I would be classified as a hofer. I was very <laughs> much... <laughs> I was very. I don't you know, even I, know
0: what that means.
1: A whim hopper. Yeah, was, but
0: like, what do you mean a hop? Like, because you've been to a lot of trainings. No, or no what? I
1: never. No, I never. See, what happened was, I worked closely with a lot of people in the military and uh, some, and I worked with cops too, photographing them, telling their stories. And one of the things that a few of my friends uh, in the first responder arena uh, were immersed in was the practice, the Wim Hof practice. And for, I think it was a couple of years, like a few years back that that these guys were like, hey, you should do the ice. Come on, do the ice. And I was just like, I don't want to do the ice. The ice is cold. Why would I ever do the ice? <laughs> you know, It sounded ridiculous to me. But then I heard Wim speak uh, on a, a TED Talk or something of that nature. Uh, okay. sure. And he was talking about how his uh, wife, of many years, I think they had four children together, I believe. And she committed suicide. She was bipolar Mm -hmm. and she committed suicide. And he was talking about his journey in depression and and that how he immediately turned towards the cold in order to rewire the central nervous system and to self-actualize in a way from like a deep cellular kind of unexplainable way. Like I didn't get it or anything, but that day without even trying the ice, I went, I called my buddy up and said, okay, so how do you do? He's like, okay, buy a flat chest freezer. And then you just, okay. you fill it with water and then turn it into an ice tank. Wow. So I did it without ever trying it. And I've been doing it ever since. And it's the really, it's yeah. actually the only thing that I ever done. That is like a, supposedly like a fad or I guess that fad has come and gone. But for me, it's it's life changing.
0: Wow. And so when you're in it, it's like quick, right? How 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 in, how long are you in it for in the in the
1: ice? Well, the first few days I did what I would call the ice dance. I'd stick my pinky in and be like, oh, man, I'm not getting in there. No way. That's crazy. <laughs> And then eventually when I started to get an arm in and a leg in and then sit in and it'd be 30 seconds. But then um, I just, I found a way to just breathe. There's no tricks to it because the bottom line is it's cold.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So you just, for me, what what happened was my desire to heal and change, evolve was so strong that mm-hmm. I was willing to sit and find peace in the ice. And then I started to realize that it, things were shifting inside of me. That mm. because I would sit in there with s- intentions as well. And I would mm-hmm. learn, think about the things that I needed to do in my life to become better at, you know, like the art of communication, not reacting, full circle thinking thinking about why someone is saying something and what they want and how I can communicate with them so that we both can find a solution so that both people get what they want rather than reacting. So Mm -hmm. it really, it taught me, that was one thing that it taught me. And it also taught me just that if I can sit in, find peace in that kind of discomfort, then I can walk through the world with, in a different state of existence where I can I can I can find comfort in and be comfortable in a very sometimes a very uncomfortable existence. So it helped. Yeah, me which is that.
0: so important. What is um, one of the biggest life lessons that you've had?
1: And I took a sip of tea for that one.
0: I know that's a big question. And I'm just gonna kind of infilt- put this in here too that you know, when you look at your life and like you were saying, all the different demographics you've worked with and in Africa and the trips and having an insight on so many different people's life because of the photography. And I think, and I know this because I've been on the other side, there's a I don't know if that happens with like everyone that you photograph, of course, but I can speak from my end being, being on the other side. When you, you know, you spend that day with a photographer and you take all these different photos and you're working with the environment, you know, wherever you are, it's very vulnerable, right? Like you, in a way you have this exchange, this like energy exchange. That's like, I don't know. Like it's like, you know, you really get to know somebody and the other person gets to see into you and you into them. And then you see what you created together. So I, that's why I'll pose you that question because you have worked with, okay, tell us like how many people, do you even know? Like how many people have you photographed? Do you have an idea?
1: I have no idea, but I'd be willing to guess. Uh, I don't even want to guess. I, I don't know because <laughs> I, <laughs> it could uh, it adds up with like days when I yeah. go, if I go into a prison and maybe work with 30 or 40 people in a prison. Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. um, It's uh, probably in
0: the thousands.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah.
0: hundreds. Yeah. I
1: I will have to say one thing about that in reference to what you said about being with a photographer. For me, and I don't know if it's like this for you as a a yoga teacher or even a podcaster, where Mm -hmm. when I'm in my work and I have this camera in my hand and I'm, I'm with the person. It doesn't matter who the person is or what they've done or anything about it, anything. All I know is that I have one mighty and ferocious intention, and that is to see their light and to celebrate it. And that is it. It, There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's not a try thing. It's just that I believe that's my gift. That's my ultimate Mm -hmm. gift. Is that when I am with you, with that camera, and we're we're discovering together that that is my only intention and we will succeed without question.
0: Yeah. And that's gorgeous. I mean, that's so beautiful.
1: So getting back to your other. um, So
0: my question was, because I wanted to give people the context, I'll repeat the question. But with that said that's a really interesting question for me to ask you because I'm really curious, you know, having done so much and having seen so many different people and work with so many different situations, like what, what do you, would you say is one of your biggest life lessons?
1: Well, I don't know if this is, well, for the, well, there's one common denominator with humanity and that is people Absolutely. Including myself. We love to be seen and feel seen. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be invisible. You know, we, mm-hmm. all, we, we want to matter in this world. We really, we want to matter. We want to have our life. We want our lives to have value. And I think that when somebody is with a, a photographer or a yoga teacher or whatever, it doesn't matter what you do. The mail carrier can smile at you and acknowledge your humanity in such a profound way. It doesn't matter. But with a photographer, Mm -hmm. it it might be a little bit different because there's evidence of it that it lasts for an eternity. But so Mm -hmm. when people feel seen, they light up. They completely light up. I mean, there's a a very interesting story that inspired my career at at a young age. And I read an article in The New Yorker, and it was about all the human beings who had jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. And in the article, okay. they interviewed all the. It was all the people that survived, actually, and in this article, they uh, they interviewed them, and they all, without question, regretted it the whole way down. And oh, really? Wow! Yeah, and there were actually as as crazy as this sounds. There were people that jumped more than once, twice, and they regretted it both times. And it made huh. me think about all the people that didn't survive that. Mm -hmm. regretted it the whole way down, but this is the part that really got me and would inspire my career as a seer, as somebody who paid attention to people, that the coroner and the suicide psychiatrist, the leader of the suicide uh, committee were called to an apartment across town and it was about three miles away. And when they walked in to this home, this apartment, there was a note on the table that said, I'm walking to the bridge. If one person smiles at me, I won't jump.
0: Wow, okay.
1: So that really made me realize at a young budding age uh, as a photographer Mm -hmm. that people wanna be seen and that we have the power to change and help people in such a positive direction by seeing them, by acknowledging their humanity. And it doesn't matter, it didn't matter if somebody was serving a life sentence or if I was photographing somebody that was going to be on the cover of a yoga magazine. That was the common denominator. That was the thing that I recognized as what I was doing and what people needed in their lives.
0: Wow. That's, that's really powerful. That story, it goes to show you too. Now I'm going to have to smile at everybody. <laughs> the power of a smile. You, better. you know? <laughs> I know. I, I feel like I naturally already kind of do. Cause that's my, I just default. Like I, <laughs> I, I actually like, I, I love human beings, you know, that's why I think I do what I do too, because I'm very, interested in human beings. And I love, I want to say people are good until they prove me that they're bad. And maybe this is naive, but because I do know we live in a very crazy world. And as I've matured, I maybe have lost some of that intent, but yes. But you know, it, it, I do feel a lot of people that I connect with just with a smile. You know, like yes. it could be a driver, somebody on the on the grocery store, whatever. It's just so cool that moment that you don't even know somebody and you can smile. But it never crossed my mind what you were telling this story. Wow, some people could go days without anybody smiling at them. It's true. And, you know, that could be very lonely, especially if you already feel lonely and in that kind of state of mind. So we don't realize how these little acts of kindness could have such a big impact in somebody's life. Yes. You know, it's, it's amazing.
1: Before so, we go on, I want yeah. to answer the yeah. another aspect of that question is the the life lesson that i believe is really one of the most for me on a personal level one of the most important lessons or discoveries that i've had is that it really doesn't matter what we did like as far as all of our incredible accomplishments the accolades the you know just what our resumes look like that you know in the end it, it matters. It's going to matter more that we did the work so that because yes. when it's time to go or we retire and we're too old mm-hmm. to do this or that, then we're not going to have that thing that defines us and, and gives us meaning in life. So we have to find a meaning inside that is completely uh, has nothing to do with how excellent the world thinks we are or any of that stuff
0: and that's one of your biggest life lessons and i love that
1: 100%. right 100 percent. yeah especially you know now with uh, my father has uh he's coming to the potentially the, the the close of his life and and one of the things that that i've i've just realized is that he's had a lot of wonderful accomplishments but they they really don't mean that much now because it's he needs to sit with that himself without that.
0: Yes. Wow. I love that. And that, that I mean, that's so, that's such a powerful lesson. It's such a powerful one because we do live in this world that we tend to think that, you know, we're going to get our happiness or get whatever it is that we're kind of chasing after. From these external validations whether it's a certificate or a training and we you know and it's good I mean it's not like it's a bad thing it's good to want to be bad to do better be better it's good to have all these things if you want that but if you what does that mean on a deeper level you know what I mean like exactly what you're saying like at, at the end and at the beginning I feel that when you sit it with yourself especially like you're saying if you're getting to take that last which will be your last breath in this life as we know how do you feel you know how how, what does this mean to you like nobody else but you I'm glad that you said that because it's a it's a big reminder you know it's a big reminder of that and it's really easy to get off track from from that too you know
1: I mean, even with the
0: best intentions, we could get off track, almost always chasing something, you know,
1: right. And your three part meditation, tea meditation is probably about, about doing nothing. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's also taught me a lot when you spoke about the ice, what that does for you, the big part of what this has done for me to just, um also to then navigate the world completely different because there's so many things now that don't get to me even like you know and it's it's an interesting thing because you even pointed out yogis and we can kind of go back to that a little bit I think everybody's just human they're trying to do the best they can with what they have but even times that I was crazy practicing it changes in life right like six times a week like two hours a day all this crazy I didn't feel as center Right. as what I feel now, because there's been a growth and yes. my practice is a lot more subtle, not to say sometimes I like doing like a, you know, an intense vinyasa practice here and there. I mean, I'm I'm that kind of person too, but, and that's the beauty. I don't have to choose. I don't have to be one or the other. You could be all of it.
1: And let me and, just tell you, you yeah. you've evolved so much. When I <laughs> went to go, when I listened to that, podcast about the tapas uh, that you yeah. did. I think it was three years ago, but honestly, yeah. I was so struck by your clarity. I mean, and I knew you Aww. weren't reading anything. It was just so, you delivered yeah. it so eloquently. And Thank you. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. It was so, it was so, uh, I mean, I rather <laughs> than just it inspire, I mean, it was inspiring me because that's the one out of uh, a, a hundred that I chose, 99 mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, I chose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm but it, it was so inspiring just to see and experience how clear you were
0: well thank you I think I think a lot of it is like you said growth life experiences and then this journey that like I just these are things that I think a lot about these are all of it, like I go back to it, I reevaluate and how does that mean? And what does it mean to have this knowledge that's so ancient, sometimes thousands of years old, but what does it mean today? You know, and today is always changing, which is again, a beautiful thing. Like 2019 was very different than 2020, especially 2020. And then like 2021 has been very different. So when we're in this journey, this spiritual journey that both you and I love, and we have so many people in our communities, you know, we're a part of this community of people who want to evolve. And I think it's part of it is reevaluating these concepts, because if it just stays in a book, or, you know, or let's say you did a yoga teacher training, you know, whatever, a hundred many hours, and then what? So it, you have to be always coming back like you have to always be coming back to the different ideas frequencies knowledge whatever you want to call it and then seeing well how does this apply to where I'm at today and then there's not only where you're at but there's also like what's happening in the world because there's the collective and then there's us And the collective, unless you're going to go completely, you know, go live in a cave somewhere or a place in, in, in Hawaii and you're completely disconnected, it's just you. But like, you know, otherwise you're living in this world and part of this spirituality for us that live in cities and have jobs is how do we navigate this life as is? And people will die and people will leave us and people will break up with us. And there's all kinds of stuff that that being a human, you know, have. And so on that note, I have this one question that I actually really want to ask you. How was it working with prisoners? Like when you see the yoga in prisons and taking stuff, what do you see with that?
1: I see myself, you know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. all self portraiture. I see human beings wanting to wanting to free themselves somehow, make a little space so that they can think more clearly, have a little more peace, make a, a better existence for themselves. And I don't see any distinction between myself and them. And I'm I'm very much moved by their sincerity to, to better themselves. And I find that I, I take these experiences, I'm honored, first of all, to have the, the opportunity to tell their story with my, my lens. That's, I mean, that, that honor, I mean, that blows me away. If, if I had been told in art school that I would be one day going into prisons and, and mm-hmm. um, telling stories in, in prison with human beings that are really desperately trying to find meaning, and make space for mm-hmm. some peace and, and so that they can breathe and just make sense of things. Uh, I would have told you yeah. you're crazy. And <laughs> it's been, uh, it's been one of the most rewarding experiences in my career to, to have that opportunity and also to be inspired by people who, who that it just, this it's this, it's this massive difference between, maybe like at the bottom, at the core of it, we're all the same, but here is a situation where there's, there's no, they're not asking me to tag them or, or if they look okay (laughs) or anything like that. It's like, it's just, it's the, all that really matters is that I'm honest because they know if I was uh, full of it. And so it's, it's that human connection Mm -hmm. that it has shown me that it's the, the art is, is not in the picture making, although the, you know, the photographs go on living and inventing themselves, but when it comes to the human connection with people that are serving time, that are never gonna see the images, it's not about that, it's about paying attention and it's about the, the heart connection, the trust, the sincerity and the love that's coming through in order to express something that's, that's beautiful and so that's one of the reasons, that's where I really learned that paying attention and people being seen was was way more important than the product. You know, a lot of photographers uh, are, they steal, you know? And, and when I was a rookie, I would steal too. And what that means is you want the image more than, you don't care as much about life as you care about getting the prize image. And as we evolved, okay. as I evolved as a photographer, You know, I'm willing to throw away anything in my camera that's not clean, that somebody didn't want. So, Mm -hmm. really, what it it has inspired me to be is a much better human being because I know that it's me, the artist, that is is making the art. It's not the camera. It's none of that. And so, building trust with other people and really feeling and 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 being vulnerable with other human beings allows me to tell those stories and me caring about life more than I care about the art is really the secret ingredient.
0: Yeah. Well, you do a great job and, um, you know, it's awesome to, to see the, the, all the photos and the stories I can tell, like when I look at a photo, I can tell like the stories that I can tell like the energetics that comes through, you know, on the other side. And it's like, wow, I bet they spend like a whole day and they, or, or a few hours and they had this interaction. And what about, so I have like a few ones that I want to ask you about because they're so interesting. What about Tao? Cause you photographed her a lot, right? Yeah. And just for people who I saw on your Instagram recently, you posted a photo of her like in a park. And I was like, wow, that is so cool. So for people who don't know who we're talking about, can you tell them about Tao?
1: Sure. Tao Porchon Lynch, when she was only 93 years old, she was inducted into the Guinness Book of World Records as the oldest living yoga teacher in the world, which I think in the West is is probably more appropriate. But, But she had that great honor, and it doesn't really matter because she just incredibly inspiring. So she took up yoga when she was, I believe, eight years old and she was in India. That's where she was raised. And she saw some boys practicing yoga and, and she wanted to to learn. So she learned and she'd been practicing ever since. And so it wasn't until she was 93 years old that her her camp contacted me and asked if I would do a shoot with her. And so we met in Central Park Mm-hmm. And we just had this amazing connection and did these this whole series of images in a red dress. And wow. So I, I blogged it. I was in a cafe that night. This is in New York, and I did a, a blog on Elephant Journal. and mm-hmm. you know, just talking about how how inspiring it was and how she, thanked me numerous times for being patient with her. And I just thought to myself, where am I going? Well, who am I? What do I have to do? There's nothing more important than just being, (laughs) I don't want to be anywhere but here. And so I did this very touching blog about it and didn't think much of it. And when I woke up in the morning, it had just gone completely viral. And, really? yeah. and and then I looked at my inbox and the New York Times contacted me. And so uh, oh wow. so for for she and I, it was kind of we connected after that. And it was kind of like all the same kind of stuff happened for her as well. And so we just became great friends and started to work together two or three times a year, whether it was in California or in New York. Connecticut, that area. And we just worked together and would do a short shoot two or three times a year, all the way till she was 101 years old, where she passed away two years ago, about a year mm-hmm. and a half ago. And and what what it was, was it was just, we both had the same philosophy that Art was an expression of a life that we, we were living. So, the life that we were mm-hmm. living was we were great friends. We, we mm. hung out, we sipped wine together, we talked about oh, things, how and we made a little bit of art, you know, and, and what over the years yeah. became a, a prolific body of work. And, mm-hmm. But it was born out of a connection. And that's, that's who so Tao cool. was. And I, I had the, the great yeah. honor of being her, telling this her story.
0: Her story. And she went on to like, wasn't she in the Gap? Some Gap photos, I think I saw. Yes, she or was an ambassador like
1: for Athletic Athletica, who, is, Athletic who are, I, I guess they're owned, owned by, the by gap. gap. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then also she was in the cover of Yoga Journal, right?
1: She was just recently on the cover of Yoga Journal France. Yeah, I think I saw that. Throughout did you years, photograph that? Yes. I throughout, While she was alive, I really did everything I could to, to get her on the cover of a yoga magazine because I felt that she should be on the cover of every yoga magazine. And <laughs> I did manage, while she was alive, to get her on the cover of New York Yoga Life magazine, which was so wonderful and now that she after she passed away um we did uh yoga journal france did reach out to me and wanted to use one of the pieces for a a cover story which is out right now if you're in 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 france France.
0: and we do have listeners in france by the way so definitely check it out so you've done a lot of yoga magazines a lot of cover magazines
1: yeah, I've done quite quite a few um, covers. Yeah, a
0: bunch of covers.
1: A bunch. How many like of covers.
0: art? Okay, how many like art exhibitions have you had? A lot of art shows too.
1: That that's such a wonderful question because I did when I was doing the Polaroids and mm-hmm. before before I transferred into doing yoga photography, using yoga as the um, the theme of my work to tell our story. Which on a lot of levels, if you really look at my work, it, you don't have to know a thing about yoga. But the goal is is that people that never even heard of yoga or seen yoga still feel the, the humanity coming through. And so you mm-hmm. know, it doesn't necessarily have to be about yoga. So it, before I transferred into doing yoga photography and, and the world went online, I did have a lot of exhibitions um, all over the country and and in other countries as well. But since I became more of a yoga photography, my main um, outlet has been through newspapers, magazines, and social media. And I have Mm -hmm. not done as many exhibitions, but I am planning on it. And I just think that, Yeah. yeah, I just think that the world needed to, you know, I, I needed to um, accumulate enough of a diverse body of work in order to be able to tell a mesmerizing story about all of humanity, all shapes mm-hmm. of humanity, all every type of continent. I mean, every continent, every country, everything, just all every profession all doing this practice and in search of the same unified thing. I needed to really do that to create what i'm my intention is is to is to have exhibitions celebrating humanity through this practice
0: yeah it will be it will be beautiful you have more than enough now and uh, but yes also 2020 has been a year that there's not you know it wasn't for in person things like that and right. 2021 still so kind of yeah. you know weird in a gray zone we don't even know
1: we're, we've been on right. this
0: kind of yeah like transition it's like a portal like the whole planet you know is going through it and uh we're just kind of everything is shifting a lot of it shifted online i think once whenever it, i don't even know i don't like the word normal because there's no more you know normal it's just like a new earth yeah or whatever whenever it comes to it then we're going to start figuring out how to do these live in-person things the same with me you know i had to back away a lot from all the in-person stuff and then this year somewhat it opened but then it's not a hundred percent either it's kind of super weird and and kind of gray i don't even understand it completely and then um you know who knows what's going to happen i think things are going to really start just looking very different but I don't know what that's going to be like. I'm curious to see, you know, what the future of all that is going to yes. be like. When somebody could go into an art show again and walk right. around, and you know, and interact with other people, or have live events, or or is it going to be like a hybrid? I mean, who knows? You know, who It'll knows? Be interesting.
1: And I think that the yeah. gift, the gift that um, I, I I I feel like perhaps you're making use of this as somewhat of a gift to actually use this time to evolve and just sit and, and, drink oh, yeah. your tea. you know, for me, Definitely. It's, been, it's been the tea drinking time to really,
0: yeah.
1: you know, really ask some serious philosophical questions about existence. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. And I mean, a hundred percent, and it's been wonderful in that sense. And for me, it's like, it's been like this huge, yes, sacred space. And then the questions that I have been going down with myself and, and asking and just kind of digging deeper, I'm like now wait, kind of like, Oh, I don't even know the answers yet, but they're still forming. If that makes sense, you know,
1: complete sense.
0: <laughs> so, okay, a few more. What about the breast cancer patients? How is that, you know, trajectory?
1: Well, it it just happened that it started with one. It started with a woman named Ulati who had just um was at the very beginning of her breast cancer journey and uh she wanted to be photographed and so you know, I guess I I developed this this aura around me as somebody that could tell these kinds of stories through um I think a lot through the the prison work and the veterans um, who had lost limbs and and then so it just started with one person and and I I I did it and and just wanted to ultimately just do a great job and so what we discovered. In that first collaboration, was that she wanted to reclaim her dignity, and and the photographs would express that kind of of reclamation of dig- dignity and a release of shame, and adopt the the storyline that scars are beautiful, and and that sincerity and intention and the practice, like a desire to heal is very important as well. So once I did that, a lot of women started to come to me to be photographed, to tell that story. And what the photographs Mm -hmm. did was, was touched people's hearts. And it also what a photograph can do is is convey the message that scars are beautiful and that we need to give up this, re- rewrite the story and not be ashamed of this kind of thing and that this is actually very normal to be scarred.
0: Scars are happen. beautiful. Scars yeah. are beautiful. And I love, I love that you said that. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I just wanted to have, you know, get some insight from some of your work. And what about the children in Africa that you mentioned?
1: I am a, uh, a privileged human being who grew up in the United States and most of the problems I ever had were, were problems that a lot of the world would trade for. I think that in the privilege that I've experienced in life I still have experienced a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. And so I can only imagine the the trauma that and, and I I've, I've needed tools to be able to to process it and to to endure this sometimes often very difficult existence. And so photographing children and, you know, people when they're young that, be, that really need the tools in order to get through, to have in this life, to have a, a better experience in this life is very inspiring to me. And that definitely showed up in photographing, working in orphanages in Africa, where Africa Yoga Project is doing wonderful work where they're offering them the tools of yoga and meditation so that they can find a way to process the immense trauma that they've experienced through, you know, even in their first seven years, nine years of existence.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's so cool.
1: So if That's I can so cool. make so photographs you... that help those uh, organizations grow and to, mm-hmm. uh, to, to normalize it, because the more people mm-hmm. see a, a photograph as an idea. And I like to think of my mm-hmm. photographs as great ideas and that are positive in support of the healing of humanity. And so the more people see an idea and feel an idea, like for instance, children in an orphanage practicing yoga, people in prison practicing yoga, meditating, the military practicing yoga, it is an evolution. And it is something that people can feel when they look at it. If I've done my job and they're moved by it, they remember it and it becomes part of us. It becomes part of the culture. And it, it's like watering an idea so that it blossoms into, into a massive field of fla- flowers. And that's the power of photography.
0: I love it. And it's also timeless because you are, in a way, eternalizing a person.
1: Yeah, that's which is so gift. beautiful. Timeless. And that's a great- gift. There's a great quote by Picasso that said, uh, once the, the the work is done, or something about how the painter is, once the work is there, the painter is already gone. So it, it goes on mm. living forever and reinventing itself. And it's such a gift with art.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you even posted the other day that you love finding Photos, you know, from years ago, like gems that you'll still find, and maybe you can go. I'm assuming you go back on your photos sometimes, and you're like, "Whoa," you know.
1: I do because <laughs> and they'll
0: pop the, up. And yeah, it's cool. when you
1: met me, I was doing the Polaroids where there was only like we'd do a shoot, and there'd be like two or three masterpieces in that session. Maybe only one, mm-hmm. but it would just. And then I, because uh, the Polaroid was expensive film. I didn't take a lot of pictures, but once I evolved into becoming more of a digital photographer that could shoot a lot, I was already trained to just make a a few and pay attention and not guess and hope for the best. But so Mm -hmm. when I would go to process the images, I would pick five, six, seven images and then send all the rest of the shoot to the cloud. And not really thinking about that there might be a lot more in there. So now, thankfully, I can go back into there and I'm like, wait, why didn't I pick this one? Why didn't I pick that one? So it's it's mm-hmm. a great gift. And, you know, I trained, awesome. I trained myself before that sentence, I'll fix it late, later in Photoshop was invented. So mm-hmm. what that taught me <laughs> to do was get it right in the moment.
0: Oh, Yeah. Your clinical eyes, because <laughs> you guys are, you're like professional, you know, you're trained like to look for these moments that it's so cool. That is so cool too. So what equipments do you, have you worked with, uh, you? yeah, you Polaroid and then you've worked with different, how many cameras you own? I'm just curious.
1: I am a, you know, I mean, I've owned not that many to tell you the truth. I started. Okay. In high school, I started with a a Pentax with film, and I did black and white photography for many years. And then I switched over to the Polaroid, which was an instant film, that a camera that was designed in the 70s, but the film had this special uh, quality that I could carve into the surface and create a very painterly photograph with it. And then from there, when that film became extinct, I went back to the regular camera, only this time around it was digital. But because I had learned to really make images sing and dance using this 1970s Polaroid camera that um, a lot of people would just think is junk, because I had learned mm-hmm. to to work with that, I developed um, the perspective that the camera is, is the last of my... Th- thoughts of what's important. Yes, it's important, but without the eye, it's of little use. So I never ever to this day, put an emphasis on great equipment, because if you can't change the world with an iPhone, then you're not going inside and doing your job. So Mm -hmm. yes, I do like to have nice equipment, but I don't I'm not, I don't have the nicest stuff, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm just not a big believer that equipment is is all that important, especially for, for what I'm doing. My camera okay. is-
0: no, no, that makes total
1: sense. My camera is a thousand times more sophisticated than than uh, a camera from 1950, and you're still seeing yeah. these images reproduced that have changed the world.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. So, how was it like growing in LA? You, you, you're from LA, right? I am. I am. And so, you grew up there.
1: I did. I did.
0: So, how was that like as a young boy, like teenager and stuff, and then coming into your, you know, late teens, early twenties? That was that fun.
1: You know, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun for a little bit. It was fun for a little bit. Um, It was fun while I was under the illusion that we were the center of the world, (laughs) that it was the, (laughs) you know, I don't know if it's like this in other places, but there was nowhere that we wanted to go because we were Mm -hmm. in the center of the world. And we really Mm -hmm. thought that And there was a lot of ego in that. And there was just it was Mm -hmm. there was something about that that was just fearless and. And then as time went on.
0: Like for better or worse? When you say like fear, like for better or worse, fearless.
1: Well, it certainly was fun being so dumb. Yeah. You know? (laughs) 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 Absolutely. Like just so ignorant and egocentric, (laughs) you know? It was was the best time of my life, all right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I could see that real quick because, you know, you also have to give yourself this, a lot of the movies come from LA, a right. lot of the people live. So a lot of the, you know, and so when you're, it really is not the
1: whole world, yeah. but when
0: you're like disconnect, you could think that, you know, yes. you, know you could think. Yeah. Yes.
1: But then when I was, when I was 15, everything started to change. I went to boarding school in the the mountains San Bernardino mountains outside of uh, Palm Springs a beautiful place called Idlewild and when i got there it was i was around like there was nobody nobody from los angeles it was just like people from all over the world with with uh, all kinds of nationalities and and just so much diversity and diversity in music so when i got there and i heard like bob marley and neil young and the grateful dead and crosby stills and nash you know, i mean just all this music i'd never heard before and mm. i just and, and being around so many people that were so different i mean it was it was frightening for a second but as soon as i saw how vast the world is, it was, my life would be changed forever. And I was just so drawn to the vastness, the diversity. And that's when I realized how, how small minded I had, I had I had come from such a small minded mentality.
0: Wow. That is, that is so cool. And then you, you, and then after that, you just expanded. it.
1: <laughs> after that, I, yeah, I went to, I, I mean, I moved away from Los Angeles when I went to college and mm-hmm. was gone for uh, 12 years. And wow. I,
0: where did you go to college? Uh, well,
1: I went to school at UC Santa Cruz. And okay. then after that, I did graduate work at the Memphis College of Art. And mm-hmm. then I lived in a surf town called Encinitas for a while.
0: Yeah, I love is, that.
1: Yeah, where Yogananda wrote his autobiography.
0: Yeah, I love Love Encinitas.
1: Yeah, very special. And then I yeah. lived in San Francisco for, during the dot-com era because I was selling my work to a lot of people in Silicon Valley. And it was mm. a, just a really amazing time to be an artist and, and be lucrative. And then I came back to Los Angeles and, and uh, bought a, a home in Santa Monica uh, 21 years ago. And I've been mm. here ever since.
0: So the does that feel like a whole nother lifetime, or do you feel like it's all connected? Like when you talk about, you know, college and all that?
1: It it does feel like a whole nother lifetime, but now in the deep silence that you and I are actually both experiencing in our lives, I think that I'm finding a way to connect it all and mm-hmm. and really come full circle and evolve in that way but it does at the yeah. moment it does yeah. it does feel like lifetimes ago it certainly does
0: but it, it is integrated yes. and it ha- it is maybe integrating now because when I talk to you and I just you know not just now but from, since I know you, there's so much depth and that makes sense when you Because you said it's like, oh, all these different things. But it makes sense to me when I look at you. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: All the parts of it. Not just one. Tell me a little bit about your dog. (laughs) I have to ask because I just love that. I got to tell you, okay? I just tell you. Sometimes when I'm scrolling Instagram and you post a photo of you and your dog or just your dog, it lightens up my day. Yeah. And I, there's something about you and, and that dog that's just yeah. so connected. And yeah. uh, I would I'm, love to hear his story. D- did you adopt him or I, her? Yeah, it's her, him, right? Oh, her. First or her. of all,
1: let, let me Wait. just say that that's okay. uh, the people that love. the One of the reasons that I s- uh, stayed very interested in you from afar is because of your relationship with animal. I mean that really drew me in yeah. as well. Is every time I'd see you with a horse or you know I mean it was just like amazing yeah. that you went to Louisiana and you had this whole yeah. life with with animals. My which,
0: animals. Yeah,
1: yeah. really and to me that's <laughs> another thing that when I say that about the accolades it's like well how many how many animals did you fall in love with? Is that put that on you uh-huh. today? Yeah. So yes. Try Oh, you, you know, you're, it's this is very hard. Um,
0: so her name is Chai.
1: Yeah. And uh, I, treasure. Well, let me just start by s- just saying she's been with me for about 12 years. Okay. If I had to draw a picture of my heart, I would probably draw her. Um, mm-hmm. She has just been just my best friend, unfortunately. And in many
0: ways, a teacher, don't you think?
1: oh i know so yeah and yeah. uh unfortunately I mean, what you just what's that
0: would you I say unfortunately no i
1: didn't know about oh, okay. something else i said unfortunately mm. about when you're i i started to choke up a second a minute ago when you were asking about her um and that's because um so every day we've been in the mornings we've been just going and sitting at the beach because she's her health is She's coming to the end. And um, mm. and so that it's been a very tender. That's
0: moment. what the beach is, because you and her at the beach, even earlier when I asked you a question, what are some of the things you do, you know, for inner peace? And I was going to say, because I sometimes see you with Chai in these beautiful nature spots, right? Beach, yeah. whatever. And it just seems like that's one of your quiet moments, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 yeah, the uh, you know, it's just uh, we're, we're in the process of uh, making just enjoying I mean, we always enjoy it every day, but and we've come to the point where, where this, is, this is the time when she's, she's going to be telling me when she needs to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And you adopted her? I did.: Shelter? What?
1: Yep. From a shelter, just up the street. And she adopted me.
0: She adopted you.
1: Of course. She rescued mm. me.
0: Yeah. That makes you know, total sense.
1: You know how it is.
0: Yeah, I know how it is. Yeah. Yeah. So just to inspire you guys, listeners, if you're listening to this, if you are going to get a puppy or a dog or whatever, try to go to a shelter, you know, go to a rescue. My uh, two, I have three dogs now. One we found on the street and then the other one, the other two, they're from, from a shelter. And, you know, it's just, they're as same as Chai, just my heart, right? And I completely adore, love them. They've taught me so much. They've rescued me. They, they're just, just the biggest lovers. And sometimes I'm out with them in public or different place. And people will come up to me because you know, now they're all cute. And sometimes I put like sweaters on them or whatever. And they're like, where'd you get that dog? I get that question all the time because they only want like the phone number of the person or, you know, the place or whatever right. to go get one. And I'm like, oh, it's called a shelter.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Chai is an ambassador for PETA.
0: Oh, good. Um, which is people for
1: the ethical treatment of. Um, oh,
0: she is?
1: Animals. Yes. She, she
0: is. is. Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: So Well, we're that all for is it. so
0: cool. Yeah. Well, I just received like an honorary thing from PETA as well. Wonderful. Very cool. Didn't wonderful. even know we had that connection. What See, are Chai? Your,
1: what are your dog's names?
0: So, Emilio. Is a little uh, fluffy hair chihuahua from the shelter. And then um, I, I rescued him. He was about almost six years old. And I've had him for, I don't know, six years or so now. And then uh, Sumo, tiny little chihuahua as well. And then we have a Rottweiler pit, pit mix that I found on the street recently and wasn't planning on keeping him, but it was totally meant to be. <laughs> He's my yes. dog for sure. And uh, yeah. he's, he's like the coolest thing now, you know, and, and and he's like, he's a puppy still, he's about a year old, if so. And so that's a whole thing bringing that puppy mentality. into because I didn't have that for and even Emilio came to me later, and I don't have children. It feels like I have a little kid in my house right now. <laughs> it really does. Like, you know, and it's, it's great. I love it. And it's also chaotic, you know? <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. I remember. When but like you were
0: talking, Oh, how old was she when you get, got her?
1: Well, I think six months and she was pure chaos. Oh,
0: she was a little, a little child too. A little young one. Yeah. 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 So they've got that energy, you know, and it's just, just, just like the kids you were talking about in, in Africa or the children that you photograph it's like you see that thing that child thing that's like it's good to have that. i know sometimes like you know we can get especially if you work like oh any type of work i can just speak for myself like you i work for myself so sometimes i get very focused and i need my you know i just need to like focus and my laptop and do my things edit my things and do that and that and it's like the dog comes and just complete disaster but also like reminds me to like lighten up you know live in this present moment like that where are you where are you all the time that you're just always like you know in this zone thing or trying to again do something get this thing out or that thing out and it's like uh it's just it's a cool reminder that yeah these animals are so kind I wanted to bring it up because I know I can tell that you're You guys have a very beautiful connection, yeah. And like you said, I also have this immense love,
1: yeah, for all
0: animals. I trust you. Yeah, I mean, what I would love to have a sanctuary, you know, at some point. And you will. Yeah, I mean, in a in a micro way. Yeah. in a microwave, I kind of have that going on already, but it's with what I can handle right now. But one day, you know, maybe I can expand that. It's uh, I feel that that's one of my missions in this earth plane, but also the missions can go in many forms. You can eternalize these beings too. And some of the photos that you have of Chai, they're incredible. Like you can see through Robert. I have just, a couple last parting way questions for now. Maybe we'll, we'll have to have you back <laughs> more often because this is too good. I like talking to you. It's awesome. But uh, what are you, is there anything right now that you're excited about or that you, you know, or it's something that came to you this past, like you said, year or two? Or what, what are you looking? We are closing this cycle of this particular year. And um, there's a new one, new beginning, right, coming up. But what are you... It's on your mind. I'm curious.
1: Well, I'm working on a comprehensive book of my life's work. That
0: oh, is, my God. That's true. We didn't even talk about Please, Yes, that was on my list to mention. Glad yeah. you brought it up.
1: Well, How's I feel, the book? I feel like I am at a uh, a deep pause, not just from the pandemic, but because every decade or so an artist does have the tendency to reinvent themselves. It's healthy for us to reinvent themselves. And I'm Mm -hmm. in a reinvention process right now as we speak, like more so than I've ever been in my life. And But this one, it's been a little bit more than 10 years, but right now, and I feel that in order to facilitate it more eloquently, I want to produce this book that, and when I say more eloquently, I mean if for me, I want to produce mm-hmm. this, this book that is the sum of all sums, like for me, so that I can, because um, I, 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 I want closure. You know, I don't know where I'm going to go with my work and with my life after I come out of this reinvention period. And I might Mm -hmm. continue to do some humanitarian projects with yoga. Uh, I'm sure I will, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. And I want to treat this book as my last offering with an option to continue, but my last offering. And because what my work has been about has been about diversity, inclusivity, equality, and a celebration Mm -hmm. of humanity in pursuit of being our greatest selves. And I just want to tie it in with art history and and with my work just being an artist who uses Mm -hmm. yoga to tell this story and so I'm that's what I'm working on a like a big coffee table book that's going to be exquisite
0: wow that is so cool so when did you start working on it
1: I started working on it the first time I ever made a photograph of yoga
0: yeah I thought you were going (laughs) say that (laughs) but on a practical level like when did you say like okay I'm gonna do this project?
1: Well it's been brewing for a while. Um okay and I'd say which is a good thing because it just keeps it keeps boiling more. But I think the first time I really started thinking about it was a couple of years ago was before the pandemic. And and then the pandemic kind of sidetracked my connection with some of the publishers, which really is not even going to make a difference for me at this point. Mm -hmm. I just want to make the book because for me, it's it's about putting my life's work together in a, a way that is the sum of all sums for me.
0: Yeah, I cannot wait to see it and celebrate it with you. Well, um, you'll be super there. looking forward to that oh what it would be yeah, quite that, the honor
1: that back bend, the silhouette back bend.
0: damn you know that back bend photo we didn't even talk about that but we'll and i'll include that on the show notes too but i gotta tell you thank you so much for uh having me you know do this for you with the, the work with you that day on the beach. That's what I mean. Thank you. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for talking to me that, you know, way back because that photo means so much to me. Like it really does. And I've had so many people come to me and talk to me about that photo, you know, that they've seen it in different places. At one point it was at the Lululemon in Beverly Hills because they kept, and you know, it's like, it's a silhouette. So you can't really tell that's me but some people have seen it also I guess on my instagram or or people told them who it was so i get like random messages and then I put it as a cover of our 200 hour yoga teacher training um, manual printed manual when I gotta I gotta say this real quick because people are not gonna say where's the printed menu <laughs> now everything is digital
1: yeah right
0: <laughs> especially since 2020 uh, I put a lot of all the the whole manual now it's on the digital platform really well made and it's all there you guys so I'm not printing anymore but I do have a printed menu and it is the cover of the 200 hour and I I, so many compliments I mean so many compliments people will be like wow what's that when did that happen who took that that's beautiful look at those colors you know like and it's just funny to see like People wanting a story with a photo. I'm like, Mm. whoa, that's really cool. That's all you, Robert.
1: (laughs) No, it was us. It's always us. It's always us. Thank
0: you. And it's an honor to be a part of your story, you know, And, and it's an honor that our stories have interconnected and that you're a part of my story too. So thank you for that. And thank you for being here on Life on Earth podcast today. There's so many great and awesome and jewels that you talked about and shared i i want to go back and listen to this podcast and listen to this episode and just let it really sink in it's very inspirational for me to see just your life as an art it's great thank you (laughs) no please what is the website if um do you have a website that we can guide people to if anyone wants to check it out
1: sure robertstermanstudio.com and you can also yeah, get there through my Instagram, just Robert, at Robert Sturman. You know how social media, we're all roads. It all leads to the same place.
0: Leads the same. And I'll include yeah. everything on show notes. And you guys, I highly recommend go to the Instagram for Robert and you will love it. You'll go back. All the, the cool thing is a lot of the things we talked about, you know, the different projects you've been involved, you can, if you scroll down, you can see, you can have the visual of all of this. So I just feel like you we opened a curtain, you know, like we just went into these veils and just kind of saw the behind the scenes of all this magnificent, magnificent art that you put out to the world. So I feel that that's a huge privilege for for this podcast. So again, thank you. And we will see talk to you guys soon. Check out our show notes. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Life on Earth Podcast. I hope you have an amazing day wherever you are, and I'm wishing you lots of love, peace, positive mindset in this new cycle of life. Since we recorded this episode, Chai is now in doggy heaven. She has crossed the Rainbow Bridge. This is Robert's beloved dog, Chai. And as I said in the beginning of the show, this episode is dedicated to Chai. Chai. So wherever you are, Chai, we are sending you so much love. I know that you were deeply loved in this life. And I know that you and your beloved human, Robert, will one day meet again. Until then, let's just remind each other that the veil between heaven and earth is very thin. And all we need to do when we miss someone we love is take a deep breath, connect with our heart space. And within the silence of our heart, we can communicate with our prayers, our thoughts, our intentions, and our feelings. So may you forever be this beautiful, beautiful, incredible dog who have inspired so many, including Robert. Thank you for the life that you have shown up as you in this reminder for all of us of love follow the show Life on Earth Podcast on your favorite podcast platforms subscribe follow us and give us an amazing review if you want to take enjoy one of our online offerings you can go to lifeonearthpodcast.com and sign up for one of our online programs much love and peace to all